step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Kim, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, the hot block commander. Once again, live in the War Room, brought to you, of course, by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Dev McMillan. I'm at the round table with one third, at least, of the Dream Team. We got the homie B. Austin in the building. Uh, Jimmy the Blueprint is going to join us a little bit later. And Philly Bulls will definitely be in the house. Dysfunction and candid comments are plenty in the NBA. Uh, most of that is coming from one dude. Um, but he keep running his mouth and he keep giving us something to talk about. So the generals rapping about this is a must. So make sure you keep it locked right here as we give our point of view on all the craziness. And if you want to get in on the conversation yourselves, make sure you sign in right now to the JW Philly Realty chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room, or you could join us on Facebook or Twitter at war room sports. You can also call us directly in about 10 minutes after we gamble with Gus. And open up the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline, that number, as usual, for the last eight years. It's been 323-410-0012. But before we get started, make sure that during the week when we're not live on the air, you check out archived episodes of The War Room at warroomsports.com, the War Room Sports mobile app, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. Everywhere. So, uh, shout out. To, to everybody we've come up in the game with, shout out to those boys over there on the Broad Street line, Roy and Chris, uh, Tissue and the Tape, Hip Hop Show, uh, with Phil and Survive, what's going on? Yo, I, I'm, I'm feeling good, B. Austin, man, salute, General, what's going on, man? Hey, bro, every day above ground is a blessed day to feel good, but let me tell you, man, I'm very close, man, I'm very close to really taking academia seriously, man. Like, I saw something and someone this week that really had me thinking about going back to college, man. You know, I got one bachelor. I can get a, maybe I can get a second or even a third bachelor's, man, with the inspiration that this individual provided me with, man. Like, school was not – I didn't take it as serious as I should have the first time around, and this person would definitely <laughs> take it seriously. It's part of the cool thing. <laughs> Yo, school. That's funny because I always tell people, like, when we talk about school, I'm like, yo, school 
wasn't really for me. I mean, and I got two college degrees, but <laughs> I, at the time, I felt like I was doing what I had to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, my quest for knowledge, is, as a you know, I know yours is as well, expands outside of the walls and the halls of of a particular institution. But yeah, the the, the structured learning. I mean, it, to me, it just proved that I'm, you know, I'm ambitious. I do what I have to do when I have to do it. But damn, I always saw man, you as smart. If I was smart looking school. down the barrel of school right now, I, man, I feel some type of way about that. <laughs> this is not to discourage you, you kids out there. Everybody go to school, stay in school, um, do your thing. But I'm glad it's over. <laughs> All right. So, 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 what's up? Why you, you know? What's motivating you? Man, I saw an educator that uh, it really was able to connect with the students, man, and uh, and draw them in, gain their interest. I'll pay really, attention because uh, I know the educator huh? that you speak of. I, I know the educator that you speak of. I'd probably pay a tuition for that as well. Um, yes. You know. Yes. But, you yes, know, since Lord. school was never really for me, I would probably need some extra tutoring, some one-on-one tutoring, you know. Absolutely. There were a lot of college professors that used to offer office hours, you know, outside of classroom time. And I never took them up on that because, frankly, in comparison, I never had a reason to. <laughs> however, <laughs> however... <laughs> However, all right, well, look, man, speaking of educators, man, we got uh, the homie Gus Griffin on the line uh, about to give you guys his picks against the spread this week. But before we do that, got to tell you, as usual, hot topics along with gambling with Gus brought to you by my bookie. Let's talk real quick before we get them on about how you guys can bet on sports contests at my bookie, the NBA, NFL, the NHL, all those seasons, Chuck. But if you haven't yet checked out my bookie, this is a great time to do just that. Lay down some dough on the biggest games in sports. You can join us and thousands of other online players placing bets at mybookie.ag. Not .com, not .net, .ag. Tired of wondering, you know, where your money is when it's time to get paid? That's why we urge you to join my bookie. You win, they pay fast, no hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wagers after the game start. So join now. My bookie will match your first deposit with a 100% bonus. You heard it right, 100%. Just use promo code WARROOM, all caps, to activate this offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, and get paid. All right, so Gus was 2-3 and three last week against that spread, uh, 32, 33, and three for the season. Threes are plenty, but uh, he, he just fell one game below 500 for the season, so it's time for him to go on one of those late season runs. We're going to get him on the line and see if we can start it right now. Gus, what's going on, good brother? Get it back, Gus. Get it back. <laughs> Gus, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. <laughs> okay. We got you. All right. Got them, them international lines, man. We can't hear them. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not yet. Next month. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like I said, it's time, time to go on one of those runs, and we're going to start it 
uh, with the Chargers versus the Chiefs. That line right now is uh, three and a half. Yes. All right. So what, what's um, your plan? Okay. The Chiefs have beaten the Chargers nine straight. Um, like when the Saints had covered nine straight a few weeks ago, you just can't keep that pace up. Not against – this is a quality team, and I just right. don't see that continuing. The, the Chiefs are banged up. Chargers got a top ten uh, pass defense. And here's the thing. Without getting into, you know, not, not trivializing the very serious issue of uh, Kareem Hunt, but you can't lose a running back like that uh, for any significant sample and not missing um, the, the Chargers are going to get um, they're going to get um, Gordon back if not tonight it, you know they're going to get him back but you can't miss him and I think that I think the Chief, I think the Chargers can make the Chiefs one dimensional they're banged up um, Hill's not 100 percent I'm going with the Chiefs to cover the three and a half I think they can even pull an upset tonight man Spencer Ware is doubtful for the game as He's well doubtful, so exactly Chiefs are most likely going to be down to their third and fourth running backs to carry the load with a banged up Tariq Hill. Yeah, I, oh. I, I'd agree. That is time. I mean, this is this is nut cutting time. If the Chiefs can pull a game like this, it's going to tell you one or two things. Maybe they're for real. It takes you a while to actually know if a, if an Andy Reid team is for real. Um, it either tell you that or it tell you that the Chargers are going to be the Chargers because even you know anytime we start praising the Chargers you know either <laughs> end of the season or early in the playoffs usually end of the season they choke so you know we got two teams that usually go the other way we're going to see who's going to pull this out tonight but I, I would I would think that the uh, Chargers would be capable of pulling this upset all right we got the uh, Bills versus the Lions. That line is two and a half. What's your play on this one? Okay. Now, first, there's no way the Lions are going to win two straight games, even against subpar teams <laughs> like like the Cardinals. Two straight road games, not not against even against subpar teams like the Cardinals and Bills. Um, Shane, nah, it's not going to happen. Come on, I'm sorry. Shady McCoy is back. Uh, they have a top. They have a top ten rushing defense. Uh, the Bills, that is. Um, they have the top passing defense in the league, and that's something I didn't know until I just did a little research. Top passing defense in the league. I think that the Bills can make um, Matthew Stafford one-dimensional. Uh, it's two-and-a-half line. All they got to do is basically win the game. So got the Bills minus two. All right. Then we got the Jags and the Washington professional football team. That over-under is 36. Where are you going on that one? Okay, now, and I know that the Washington football fans want something to believe in, but come on, man, Josh Johnson. <laughs> come on, man. Hey, look, he's been out of the league for five years for a reason. This is not the second coming of Kurt Warner. Um, if if you dug up Aaron Brooks somewhere, then I'd say, okay, well, maybe he has some credibility. He had some pretty decent years in the um, NFL. But I'm sorry, this this guy wasn't good enough for Tampa Bay, bad Tampa Bay years ago, bad Cincinnati teams years ago, but he's going to come in against a Jaguar defense that at home is still elite. No, they're going to eat him up, man. The only reason I'm not laying the seven in this game is because he can't trust Jacksonville to score uh, 17 points, but they're going to eat him up. This is going to be a 13-3 to game, I think. I'm taking the under. This, I think, starting Josh Johnson was a knee-jerk reaction from – 
the Washington staff. Um, you kind of know what you got with uh, uh, Sanchez, so you either go with him yeah, or, or you don't from the start. But because you're getting blown out, because you're getting blown out, and then he comes into a blowout and leads you to two scores. Doesn't against really prevent mean, defenses. <laughs> right, right. It doesn't really – I mean, because that would have happened no matter who the quarterback was. Exactly. Had they had the patience and stuck it out with Sanchez, they probably would have gotten those late scores off of pre- prevent defense. So I think – you know, I'm not I'm not thinking that they expect to win with him, but I still think it's fool's gold even thinking, all right, well, let's put him in there because he gave us a spark. All backup quarterbacks give you a spark. Yeah, so this is the week. This is what we're gonna see. And you're right. He hasn't been out of the league. You know, he has been out of the league for five years, and there there is a distinct reason, and it had nothing to do with <laughs> kneeling for anthems. So <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. You know, with this one. But um, yeah. More, you, more than more Your favorite squad. More than that, no. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I figured, you know, you're throw a jab in there, disrespect them, you know, because a lot of Washington fans were gloating around week seven and week eight about being in first place and having the division locked up. <laughs> and I got the screenshots to prove it. <laughs> I, I They're Charlie stuff. Brown. Don't yeah, don't let the Caps you. win fool you. This city is still Charlie Brown and Lucy. Exactly. Yeah, and she's going to pull the ball away. <laughs> And they they keep going. Yeah, I mean, they keep trying to kick it. All right, so we got the Titans and the Giants. The uh, Titans plus three versus the Giants. What's your play on this one? Okay, um, an unhealthy OBJ um, against the deepest corner group of corners in the league in the Titans. I think this is a pretty good matchup for them. Uh, and, you know, and you got a shot arm quarterback. I think it's a pretty good matchup for the Titans. Um, folks kind of overreacting to the Giants scoring 40 points against Washington, but you know you just kind of in part and parcel talked about that. I think people will overreact on that. The New York um, fan base, I mean, it's larger. I'm not knocking them, but it's larger, and so there's there's some lines you just can't quite believe based on the fan base, the New York fan base, the Pittsburgh fan base, the uh, Dallas fan base. The larger lines are the most unreliable. Um, the only concern I have with this is, of course, that special guy in the backfield for the Giants, um, uh, yeah. um, Barkley. I mean, he's 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 a X factor in any game. But if they can just not let him go totally crazy, I think they're going to cover this three and even win the game. Okay. Um Man, don't let them win the game and the Cowboys lose because then we're gonna have. I don't even understand how who's still talking playoffs. I don't understand how the Titans are good because they get nothing at quarterback play. They're not really. Like they're nothing. like they're they're inconsistent. Like well, week, they, they they beat a good team, they'll come back the next week and lose to a bad team. They are inconsistent, but when 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 Mariota. That elbow is that's something that a quarter you're not gonna be the same when you got elbow problems, tendonitis. You're just not. I mean, I know that just from playing Probably softball. Elbow problems. You can't throw to begin with. But you know, I think part of it is you know they've got a unique um, skill, uh, a unique um, resource there at corner. I mean, this is a passing league, obviously. And when you got a unique skill set there, and you know you could stay in games, and that's the only thing I can explain. I mean, he's not great, certainly. Um, but you know, I, they're they're there, and um, they the last three games are all winnable. 
So they may end up being in the playoffs again. But he's also the type. He's going to do what he has to do late in games, third downs. You know, if he got to get on his horse and run, he'll do that and keep moving where, you know, a lot of people stand there, hold the ball too long, get sacked, lose the game. So, you know, he's a threat in that way. All right, so we'll see. Uh, we gotta we gotta climb up over 500 this week, so we we're looking for these to be some good picks. So um, real quick, I want to get your opinion on something real quick before before we get you off. Baseball, the Phillies signed Andrew McCutcheon to a three-year. Most were saying 50, but I think it really adds up to like 47 million dollar deal. Um, what did you think about that? Well, um, as a Giants fan, I, I know that with the exception of um. Barry Bonds and well Kent hit well there. Look, right, that that park is just not accustomed to a right-handed power hitter, um, and that you know that's not really where you go in the middle part or or the tail end of your career if you're relying on hitting home runs. It's just it's just not conducive to it or any even a left-handed hitter. And again, Bonds tells you how exceptional he was and for various reasons. But um, so I think it could be a good deal. He's not relying. They're not relying on him to carry the team. They got enough around him to where he can kind of be a contributor instead of having to carry the team. So I think it could be a pretty good deal. Right. Yeah. And there's still players for a major, major free agent. So I right, just wanted to get your opinion on that because I know you're a big baseball fan as well. All right. Yeah. So we will talk to you next week. Uh, we will be talking from a a, a perch above 500. I have a good feeling on that. So uh, thanks for your time, as usual, and we'll holler at you next week. All right. Uh, one plug. Um, the next column is going to be uh, – uh, maybe some of your fans have heard about it. Uh, currently, uh, one Daniel Snyder is trying to get his team, the Washington mm-hmm. football team, back into Washington at, at the RFK Stadium. And currently he's working with the Republicans on the Hill to try to – sneak something into a bill to get it through before the Democrats take over. This is something that I hope everyone locally and nationally pays attention to. Amazon has already stuck it to Washington and New York, and they've given them a pass. They shouldn't give them a pass on this. So I'll have a column to you by the weekend on that whole issue. But you know what that is, though? This push to get the team back to to D.C.? This is just this is just Lucy putting the ball there again because he does that. The fan base is going to be energized. That's what I'm telling you. It's just, you know, it's like a Band-Aid. Like, all right, we can't put a winning product on the field. We win in the first half of the season, and we always tail off. We got to do something to re-energize this fan base who, you know, we used to have a, a season ticket waiting list around the corner yep. and down the street. That's all part of it. That's, no That's all there. part of it. So the product got declined. We got to get them back in D.C. because we know the fans want the team back in D.C. I'm telling you, man, more smoke and mirrors. But, uh, yeah, and it's okay. all part of the whole gentrification piece, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And I know we're biased, Dev, and, and, and we are biased, but their fan base is not – if I had to pick a fan base with the lowest IQ, they're probably in the bottom. Oh, <laughs> you're making a lot of friends in I ain't going to go that far, man, but, but it's funny. Just, let me get you out of here before you start catching some of this collateral gunfire that we're about to get. <laughs> yeah, we did lose to the Raiders, my Steelers, so let me get off the line. Yeah, you're right. All right, so we talk to you next week, man. All right, take care. All right. Gus Griffin, everybody, go out and make your bets.
Austin started some stuff, man. You know, he he know like at least forty percent of our fan base, our supporters, are in the DMV area. So you know, he starts this stuff on purpose. But no, you know, man, we we both have lived in the area for a, a nice portion of our lives, and and maybe you notice things because you're there. But the, you know, some of the things that I that I notice, it's it's crazy. It it really is, man. And but maybe this is the same stuff that happens everywhere else, man. We're just not there to see it. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Probably shouldn't be. All right. So, um, yeah, uh, I asked Gus about this. Um, you know, the Phillies signed Andrew McCutcheon um, to a three-year deal. Andrew McCutcheon, at the current moment, is, uh, I believe, he's 32 years old. Um, and I saw, I spoke with Jimmy about it the other day. I was hoping, you know, he was going to be here by the time we talked about it. But, you know, the first thing he said to me was, man, you know, this would have been fire like five years ago. I think he yeah. actually used half a decade ago. Um, it, it, it is, but at the same time, you know, you heard the Phillies were going to be a major player for two major uh free agents, and that was Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Um, the thinking behind the Andrew McCutcheon is you can get, you know, that put, you can get that position covered um, for a lot less and still have, you know, a good leadoff guy if, if, if need be, um, a, a good hitter, uh, power numbers. He, he'll get you around 20 home runs per year. Um, not the Bryce Harper power number type thing, but you know, you do this and you can set your sights on really trying to make a run at Machado. Maybe they see in the front office that it wasn't going to be realistic that they were going to end up landing both of them. So you, you make a move like this just to secure that that spot up for the next three years. Um, like I said, we all know that we're not getting the, the Pirates, Andrew McCutcheon from from years ago, but I think it's a pretty good one. These days, coming to America would say, yeah, pocket change. It's not too bad. Pocket change. <laughs> so, yeah, so has his play, his play really tailored off or, or fallen in his, in his oh, old age? Last season, I believe he had like the worst uh, batting average of his career. Um, I think he was, and don't quote me, people, because I don't have it in front of me, but I think he might have been hitting something like 222 or something last year. Um, oh, that's not good. So in 2019, he's going to earn $10 million. In 2020, he's going to go up to 17. And in, in 2021, he's going to earn $20 million in his last season of the contract. So, like I said, you know, overall, that's not too bad a contract. Most baseball pundits thought he was going to land somewhere in the $45 million range for three years anyway. So, you know, with the Phillies paying him somewhere between 47 and, and 50, just a little bit more than the range that... Um, Mark, did, he, did he cut his locks? No, no doubt <laughs> in that comment. Um, I think... I think he... Cut him oh, a few years ago. I'm not sure. I oh, well, there, there you go. So, 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 so,
So, uh, so that's the slot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think it was a pretty good sign. All right, so let, let's talk some some NFL for a minute because they are making some expansions to the Rooney Rule, and I know you know every time the Rooney Rule comes up, we definitely have a conversation about it here, um, about our, our our thoughts every time they make a change, or just you know when when we hear that somebody has gotten an interview and it's obvious that the Rooney rule was at play. So they made a few policy updates to quote unquote bolster the Rooney rule requirements that, you know, if you don't know what we're talking about, the the rule is intended to create additional opportunities for diversity um, and NFL coaching candidates. So, you know, they have to be identified, interviewed and ultimately hired when a vacancy becomes available and they're trying to strengthen the rule to make sure that these three things are happening. So here's some of the new things that they're going to do with the Rooney rule. One clubs must interview at least one diverse candidate from the career development advisory panel list or a diverse candidate, not currently employed by the club. That's actually interesting B because a lot of times that we see this, Take take the Philadelphia Eagles for for instance. Every time there's a vacancy, who do they go and, and interview? Deuce Staley. Because they got a black guy. Let's get the interview out of the way. Get our Rooney Rule requirement out of the way, and we're good. So now you no. have to go beyond just grabbing a guy from your own staff, giving him a token interview, and moving on. You actually have to, you know, interview at least Do one. Redevelopment advisory panel list or uh, uh, a candidate not currently employed with your club. So that, you know, Yo, they actually got to fly somebody in. They can't, just go to, they can't just go to Deuce's back office somewhere in the basement <laughs> and say, Yo, Deuce, can we ask Deuce, a couple of questions here, brother? <laughs> Deuce's interview game is probably fire because my man. Has interviewed for every position on the staff, including head coach. Yo, his interview game is official. Um, you know my my thoughts on this. You know, there's there's a side of me that appreciates it. Certainly, a side of me that appreciates uh, any positive move in the direction of diversity that benefits. You know, overall. Uh, uh, people of, of varying backgrounds, but, you know, more specifically, uh, people that come from the group that makes up 75% of the players. So I'm, 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 I'm cool with it, but then there's also a part of me that says, I feel like in this climate, the NFL will do any and everything to get light away from the cause that Colin Kaepernick, Kenny Stills, Eric Reed, and many others were kneeling for, Russell Okung. The reason is they're using one of the larger platforms in the world to shine light on police brutality and bias towards black men and women in this country. And I feel like 
if anything, and, and I could be wrong, it could be me just, it could be me looking way too far into it. I don't think so. But in 2018, with where we are in the world, I just, I just feel like it's something else that they can hold up and say, hey, look, you know, much like the, the Washington professional sports team, hey, look, we, we, we hired an African-American quarterback. <laughs> but you didn't hire the African-American quarterback, and you and I know why. It go, that's the same vein for me. You're going to expand on the Rooney rules so that you can pacify a certain segment and say, look, we are doing something for, quote-unquote, race relations and diversity in the, co- in the country. That's just but my feeling. Even the Rooney rule isn't meant to be like some affirmative action because they're not obligated to hire anybody. The Rooney rule is basically just making people uncomfortable because you have to go into your schedule. You have to go into your resources to interview people that you may not have had on your interview. Interview. So let me go with four points. Point number two, clubs must continue best practice recommendation of considering multiple diverse candidates. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, <laughs> best practice recommendation of considering multiple diverse candidates. So they're, I guess they're encouraging you to interview and talk to more than one um, my, quote unquote minority candidate. Um, this is just more things to just tell them, just cover up the fact that you're making it look like this is something, you know, that you do and you get it out of the way. Let's 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 actually take our time on this. And that's the that's the problem that I've always had with the Rooney Rule. Um, yes, it does get minority candidates um, in front of some of these people, and maybe they will impress them in a way that the the franchises weren't expecting. Um, even if a job isn't given. Uh, even, you know, maybe they can get recommended somewhere else, get referred somewhere else, or, you know, maybe get another type of coaching position within that organization itself. But at the same time, I think most of the time, not all of the time, I think most of the time when teams fire their coach, they pretty much know either who they're going to hire or at least the people they're going to go after really hard. You know what I mean? And if you're going to go after him really hard, you have an inkling in your mind that that's the guy you're going to get. So at the end of the day, this does seem to me like a waste of time, but some people see the value in it of at least getting in front of some people and being able to show your Mike Brown skills, um, you know, on a, on a larger, larger scale. Point number three, clubs must maintain complete records and furnish to the league upon commissioner's request. So I guess this is like, y'all can't lie and say that you interviewed Deuce and <laughs> and, and and then we find out y'all just gave Deuce a couple dollars to, you know, let us run articles saying that he interviewed for the job. I don't know. This is me speculating, making stuff up. But they want the clubs to, to keep records and be able to furnish them upon request. And last, lastly, if final decision maker is involved in the beginning, he, she must be involved through the conclusion of the process. So, um, so, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> those are the, the, the new four, the four new, uh, expansion 
rules that go along with the uh, the Rooney rule. Any final thoughts on the rest of them that I read? No, I mean, I, I, um, our sentiments are are basically aligned. Like, I, I feel the same way you do. It's like, okay, what are we really doing here? So it's almost like it, it's a token. It's a token coming from an organization where I think also you and I feel the same thing about the ownership and their position on racial disparity and bias in this country. So with that understanding, I think we, yeah, we in the same boat. We can move on. F Rooney. Rule, that is. <laughs> um, shout out to uh, Skyview in the chat room. He says, Rooney rule. He said, did we really think after the debacle with RG3 that low-key racist Gruden would even consider Kaepernick? Um, I mean, I don't think it's a lot of people even considering Kaepernick, but, you know, uh, Washington claiming that they did. Like, that's the problem I have, and we spoke about that last week. You know, I, for me, if you didn't consider him and you're not considering him, just say that. Like, don't try to be, you know, don't try to get points for morality by saying, oh, yeah, he was on our list, and then you didn't even call him for a workout. Like, how does that list work? Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. But the Rooney Rule in general – um, like I said, you, you hear uh, black people in general that are in the NFL, you know, they they claim to be in favor of it. So, you know, if they like it, then I guess I have no reason not to like it. But they, they're saying that these changes were developed in consultation with several independent groups, including the Frick Pollard Alliance, which advocates for diversity and job equality in the league. And they said the committee also endorsed strong accountability measures um, in the event that clubs fail to comply or seek to evade procedures outlined in the Rooney Rule. So that's what that, that you know, number three and number four points are about, you know, having to furnish records or have records that you can furnish upon request just in case you're trying to, you know. Yeah, that, that, alone, that alone, that alone what, what does that say about our society? And what does that say about the potential disingenuous disingenuineness of those that are bound by the rule? Like, I mean, we're being forced. We we talk about this once once a season, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, but it, like I said, it says that it just says we're being forced to do this. Um, <laughs> we don't really want to. Breaking news. <laughs> Nets just agreed to extend uh, backup point guard Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, $34 million million over three years, Um, and there will be a player option on the third year. Uh, The the reason this is breaking news here on this show, and it's funny, is because the Sixers got him this money, so he owed the the, the boys up in brotherly love some of this bread because he just – gave the Sixers his career high 39 points and all of his career highs, yeah. I believe have come against the Sixers because um, Joel Embiid is actually upset that we make, man, we make all guards look like Hall of Famers. So I guess everybody in the perimeter is probably mad at Joel Embiid today. 
Spencer Dinwiddie gave up 39 points and then got 34 million the day after. (laughs) I love Joel, man. He is definitely a throwback. Speak your mind, good African brother. Spencer Dinwiddie, when you were 10, 10 years, no, 15 years ago, did you ever think that you would come to a time when you would see a player of the caliber of Spencer Dinwiddie making $10 million a season? Spencer Dinwiddie. Nah, I mean, but, you know, inflation is a mother because I guess docking them when they were making 200000 a season didn't think that the superstars in the league were going to be making $30 million, so. Oh, and $10 million, Spencer Dinwiddie, $10 million. Like Slightly above average salary right now. That's like you slightly above average player making ten, eleven million dollars a year. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so shout out to Spencer Dimwitty, man, who earned his contract on the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, we talked about this. Well, we brought it up a couple of minutes ago. Uh, Gus brought it up as well. Um, this link between Colin Kaepernick and Washington professional football team. Now, sources say, and this is my problem, this is always my problem when we talk about Colin Kaepernick, because we always hear from, quote-unquote, sources close to Colin Kaepernick, but we never hear Colin Kaepernick actually say any of this stuff himself. We never get to actually see if this stuff is ever true, because, you know, as far as this my man is just about as mute as, as Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it, it seems like he just sits back and lets people talk. He let people defend him, whether we know what's in his heart and what he wants or not. Sources close to Colin Kaepernick says that the quarterback is to pay for Washington if they call. For me, I find that a little different just because of what we spoke about last week. With Colin Kaepernick being the woke brother that he is, you know, he's supposed to be that guy who thinks outside of his box and not just, you know, caring about what his his main issue is. Or at least that's what I've heard about him. You know what I'm saying? But maybe not. Maybe Colin Kaepernick is like, look, man, I care about black people and black issues and that's it. But being the woke brother that he is, I ask again, and I asked you guys this last week, like, do you think he would play for a football team who has had a a controversy brewing about the team name for so many years? Um, There's a, there's a part of me that irresponsibly would, would go with your former position. Uh, I care about, I care about black folks, and that's who I care. I think that would be socially irresponsible. I think it would be a little bit leaning towards moral reprehensibility. I think in order for him to be consistent and have credibility, Colin Kaepernick cannot play for that team. That's the one team. I I would maybe throw the team in uh, Dallas in there, but definitely – he can't play for Dan Snyder, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones. There's probably some other owners in there as well as far as the owners specifically. But when I, when I say those owners, I'm talking about the owner, the organization, and the history of that organization and what it symbolizes. Those three teams, 
Yo, Colin, you can't you can't do that, bro. Not those three owners, not those three teams, man. So I would be yeah. a little disappointed. See, but that but the thing is, like, maybe those reports came out to further make Daniel Snyder's team look bad. Maybe you can say things like that because you know that that team isn't all. You know, you know Daniel Snyder's not going to take the bait. Right, that's good. He's point. not. He's not going to call. So you can say things like that, and then they look worse in the process because every week that goes by shows them that they need more options or another option at quarterback. So to say that knowing that they're not going to call makes them look bad. On the flip side of things, if I'm Washington and I came out with that BS report last week of me considering him, I'd probably give him a call, call his bluff, see what's up. <laughs> and then we play it, you know what I'm saying? We see how far each side is willing to take it. But call his bluff. <laughs> All right, so um, question for you, B, and this is about your team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, there's some chatter starting to rise, and it seems, you know, fans, you know, of, of Winsylvania, Philadelphia, Winsylvania, um, are starting to slowly take a foot off of that bandwagon and people are actually starting to grill Carson Wentz about his performance this particular year. The fact that he's coming off of an ACL tear and missed, you know, a lot of time uh, at the end of last year, the whole off season and the beginning of this season, do you think it's fair criticism for, for fans to be throwing him in that mix right now? Um, no, I think that, I think that both of us have, well, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for you. I'm going to speak for me. I don't gauge a player, particularly of Wentz's potential on a single season basis. When he has a bad game, I'll call it a bad game. He has a good game. I'll call it a good game. Don't think you should get too high or too low on him. I think you should watch, observe, and gather a body of work. Now, I realize that's not necessarily the popular way of doing things, particularly among fan bases. Um, and now even even organization and coaches move a lot faster than I think that they should. He's coming off of an injury Carson Wentz is immensely talented, immensely franchise quarterback beyond a shadow of a doubt for me. But that doesn't mean that his game is not without its holes and weaknesses. And when you come off of a major injury like that, guess what gets pronounced? Guess what what's emphasized in your game coming back from that type of injury? your weaknesses and the things that you didn't get to work on on the off in the off season because you were rehabbing. So for me, this was almost always a throwaway year. In fact, my expectation was that the birds would be a lot better and that Wentz would be the reason that we lost in the playoffs because he wasn't ready to take that next step due to being behind schedule in his development. I didn't expect the overall team to stink to high heaven the way that we do. And so now 
what's happening is we stink to high heaven and Carson Wentz isn't confident enough in his physicality, isn't back to the player he was to make those off-schedule plays and carry the team the way one of the other more accomplished and accomplished QBs or QBs with his level of talent, i.e. that man in Green Bay who we'll, we'll talk about later on in the show because he's having his own interesting season. But I don't see Carson Wentz as being at a point in his career coming off an injury where he can erase the many negatives on the Eagles right now. He's got to continue his development. So, no, I don't I, – I think he has culpability in – where our season is because he's a member of the 53-man roster. But I think it's unfair to have expected him to come back off of shredding his knee up and carry the team because it's only his third season. He's really not even a third season. So I think this is just fans being fickle and fans being fans. Like, give that man time to grow. My expectation, patience for him probably lasts through year five. Like, I need to see two but more things. Criticism is always warranted. But the way Absolutely. some people go extreme, you know, that's when you, you, you get to a slippery slope. Because I watch Carson Wentz every week, every play, every snap, whatever. Um, the problem with him this season is the fact that because you said, you know, if he has a bad game or if he has a good game, that's the problem. Like he never has a game that's defined by one of those adjectives because it's always a mixed bag this particular season. Um, and most good, of the time, good and bad. he starts slow. The offense starts slow. He can't get anything going. Then in the second half, when it's time to play catch up or it's time to play shootout, he, he looks like Carson Wentz that the whole city fell in love with uh, last season. So his problem is coming off this injury is having a complete game, and he's yet to do that yet. But the crazy part about all of this, if you want to make some comparisons, when last year um, he was. I wouldn't say consensus because some, some people still have Brady up there ahead of them. Um, but when a majority of pundits fans may have had him as, you know, the MVP winner through 13 weeks, statistically he's having either the same or even better year statistically when you make the comparison. Now, look, this was through, uh, this was through 13 games last season and, and, and 11 games this season because he's probably done for the season. Um, they found out today that he has uh, a fractured vertebrae in his back. So oh. he's definitely – and he's yeah. probably – if they're – you know, this week goes the way it's supposed to go, which is Rams domination, then it would probably be the smart move. If the Rams, you know, smash the Eagles – and the Cowboys win again, there's really no reason for Carson Wentz to play again for the rest of the season. But through this, remember, through, in 2017, this is through 13 games, and, and this year this is through 11 games. So last season, 60.2 completion percentage. This year, 69.6 completion percentage. 
Um, and that's not there wasn't a drastic fall off in yards per attempt. As a matter of fact, yards per attempt there wasn't a fall off at all. Yet last year, seven point five yards per attempt. This year, seven point seven yards per attempt. So he's upped his completion percentage by nine point four points, and his and he's throwing the ball farther, you know, per attempt. So that's pretty impressive in itself for somebody who's getting a lot of flack right now. Last year, now this is where he he shined the most. He had thirty three touchdowns through 13 games. This year he has 21 touchdown passes through 11 games. Uh, last year he was throwing touchdowns at a clip of 7.5%. Um, so 7.5% of the plays he was throwing a touchdown. This year is down to 5.2. Last year, seven interceptions through 13 weeks. He has seven interceptions through 11 weeks. So the mistakes as far as turn, you know, giving the ball to the other team, and scoring touchdowns, you know, he's still throwing touchdowns at a at a three to one uh, ratio. Yeah. Twenty touchdowns to to seven interceptions. That's pretty good. Um, yep. His rate this year is higher than it was in his quote unquote MVP season last year. Last year he was at one hundred one point nine. Now he's at one hundred two point two. His QBR drop last year was seventy seven point two, and now it's sixty four point nine. Here's another kicker, yardage wise. Through 13 games, he threw 32, uh, 3,296 yards. Through 11 this year, he sits at 3,074 yards. So it's crazy um, when you look at it because the success that the team was having last year, it makes you look at things, especially statistically, through a different lens because he's either the same in most categories or even better statistically this year. But because the team is six and seven and five and six under his watch, people are looking at it totally differently. But B. Austin, I can speak for him, and we've always been big advocates of the eye test. And the eye test tells you this year that Carson Wentz holds on to the ball a little too long, but he's always done that. That's really nothing new. That's always been a weakness. And like B said, without an offseason to work on that weakness, even though that type of weakness, B, could be a film study type of fix. Um, yeah. So he still does that on occasion. What I see this season is he's a little more, even though he's up 9.6 percentage points in his completion percentage, it seems like he misses more receivers. He misses, in yeah. He's missing, he's missing, yeah, he's missing on throws. And the reason that that percentage point is up um, – just to give our audience an opportunity to get a giggle. My man rides the Josh Ertz train like none other. Like, I don't think there's any other quarterback tight end tandem. Yo, Josh Ertz comes into the game at kickoff with five receptions over. Zach Ertz. <laughs> oh, Zach, yeah, man. Zach Ertz. Zach. My bad. I mean, I, they all had the same name. Um, Zach, Josh. Zach Ertz has five receptions at kickoff. Like, my man gets so many looks from Carson that, you know, and, and when you're passing inside the hashes 10 to call it 14 yards down the field, your completion percentage is going to be high if you're an NFL QB. I mean, that's not a hard throw to make with the exception of linebackers kind of working for depth and all that. But they don't – They other teams haven't figured out 
how to stop Zach Ertz, and that's because Zach Ertz is a really, really, really good player, and Carson Wentz is a good is a good and super talented QB. So that tandem does wonders for his numbers. But going outside the hashes and going down intermediate routes, I've seen him make tremendous throws, and I've seen him throw balls to people that just weren't there. Like there was no human being there, and he threw the ball there. Like yeah, so Let he's me missing. On what you're saying, yeah, he, he's completed. He's completed 279 passes. Zach Ertz has 98 receptions. But you do have to consider the first two weeks, um, not at the same clip. But Zach Ertz in the first two weeks was getting passes from Nick Foles. So, so I would go out mm-hmm. on a limb and say at least 90 of his 279 completions are to Zach Ertz. Yeah, and that's. Yeah, it's like that's 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 real. Like he throws the ball to Zach to the point where he and he and Alshon Jeffries have a great relationship. But even Alshon had to pull him to the side, like yo, dog, I'm 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 here too. And they haven't yeah. figured out what to do with Golden Tate yet. Yeah. So yeah. timing wise, even though, and that's ridiculous because dude is nice enough that he should be making a major impact. But I think that comes from, yeah. as you say, film study. See a fake ass Heinz Ward. That's a compliment. <laughs> film, film, film study and also working on the timing through passing camps, OTAs, and, and and training camp with those guys. I don't think the chemistry, obviously the chemistry is not there with, with Golden Tate because he wasn't there. And then the running game. Yo, shout out to, to Adams and Clement, man. Them dudes are playing way above their talent level, they are balling. But it ain't the same, man. Jay Ajayi and the big boy that beat up uh, LeGarrette Blunt, yo, they're different. They're different level running backs from what we had. And God bless, you know, the power dwarf. Like the super midget is still, he's still got a little bit of fumes in the tank and it shows up, but he's basically done. We don't have a running game. <laughs> So mm-hmm. yeah, he definitely showed some last week. Um, uh, shout we out to him. Running game, so so they like Wendell. Wendell Small. In my opinion, Carson Wentz is not above criticism. Um, there's a, you know there's a lot of things he. Another thing I noticed from the eye test, Carson Wentz is not good at this state, this point of his career, in climbing the pocket. There's a lot of no, times no. his drop and the pocket starts to collapse, and he could buy himself an extra second if he would just climb the pocket, but he has to stand there, and he's just right Yo. there in the conference of, of, of the rush. He could climb the pocket, Yo. hold the ball, you know, for, for a, a little less time. You know, I think he's fine. But let me, let me tell you one thing, B. All the criticism, and I've criticized him this season, but I'm not to the point of some of these extreme people. For all the criticism that I'm giving him, and this is constructive criticism, you know, learn to climb the pocket, don't hurt, hold the ball so long, you know, be more accurate. Constructive criticism. I'm not mad at him. I still think going forward, Wentz is going to be a great quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. But if you were to tell me that dudes tore his ACL, MCL. I wouldn't know it. Wait a minute, MCL, ACL, PCL. He did like three or four in his ligaments, three other four ligaments in his knee. Came back early in nine months. 
and has thrown for 3,000 yards in 11 games, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 69% completions, and a 102 rating. I think, okay, even though the team's not doing too well right now, I think I'd be, as a fan, in a damn good position. Because, first of all, nobody comes back from an ACL like that, unless your name is um, um, Cyborg. Yeah, Adrian Peterson. And that's a whole different position. You know what I'm saying? So you're not even used to seeing people come back from that. So the only the compliment that I could give him in this situation is he's doing all of this off of, you know, nine months of, of rehab after an ACL surgery. I can't get too mad at him. You have to give him some more time. You have to let him develop. What happened was in season two, he became so good. The team won a Super Bowl. Expectations to get ramped up. They start to get sped up. And that's just what the fans are doing right now. We see it all the time. We're, we're, that, tripping. we're tripping because the bottom line and what I'm hearing you say, uh, I, I go back to this. I know that he has a lot of things he can work on. But the team is not good. Like the yeah. team is not good. So if the team were last year's team, they probably okay. could pull him off a little, a little more. But he's co- he. The expectation now is that he can cover over some of the other inadequacies, and that's just not the case. So we just look bad all the way around. All right, let's go to we can't. Sona, Tobias, what's going on, good brother? Roll damn tide. Roll damn tide, fellas. What's going on, gentlemen? Man, Jameis, you know, Jameis disappointed me and let me down, but he's still better than Marcus Mariota. You know what? Speaking of that, Dirk Cutter had a good quote that made me just want to pull my hair out. He straight up said the reason teams and coaches don't play their backup quarterbacks more because they don't like their backup quarterbacks. I'm like, you dumb idiot. You're not supposed to play your backup quarterback. Uh, <laughs> it's like NBA here we sub people out. But, you know, I heard, it's like, I heard you guys talk about Carson Wentz. And what people got to understand is these quarterbacks are young and they're developing. They're still developing. They come in the league so young, they start now and they're developing. Not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah, because look at Pat Mahomes. Remember, I watched a lot of him in college. I'm a big college fan. He's a playground. Like, he's a great talent, but he will turn the ball over because he is like he will throw it across his body. He will take chances. But no. it's all Kermit, good now no. because people love him. Kermit the Frog will try and fit the ball in a two foot by two foot window, thirty feet, down, thirty yards down the field across. The, yo, he is responsible with it. Yeah. He don't care. <laughs> Do that while throwing the ball around his back. <laughs> yeah, and, see, and the thing is, right now he's a new shiny toy. I'm not knocking him. He's a great talent. But what happened? But what? But right now, when year two, year three comes up, and let's say he try one of those passes, and they lose a playoff game, and yeah. it will be so fun no more. And that's when the heat no, he comes down. He's the type of guy he can a Carson Wentz situation because. If the talent around him goes down or somebody gets injured, he's the type of guy where he's going to always try and make a play to win. Like, and he is going to turn the rock over, and people are going to 
people are going to change on him. You know, and it'll, yeah. I can see it being worse for him than for Carson Wentz because, dude, you know, he's Brett Favre with it. No, I can see yeah, it being worse for him too because, you know, Andy Reid and the Chiefs, they have, they have a tendency to choke. So if you do all of this and, you know, you win, maybe win MVP and they go into the playoffs smoking and then they choke, then it's, he's not going to have the same luster you know, next year when they're coming out and they're doing all of that, people are still going to like him. But like you guys said, when he starts to make some mistakes, then they're going to start talking the same way that fans are talking about Carson Wentz. He starts to make some mistakes. Uh, they're going to look back on it like, okay, he did all of that, when, you know, in that great year, and we didn't win anything. So we're not giving him that kind of leeway. Like Carson Wentz wasn't the quarterback that finished the job for the Eagles, but at the very least, you know, he got them in position in a Super Bowl winning mm-hmm. year. That kind of buys him, you know, a lot of time with, with more rational fans. The ones who are saying that kind of stuff now, they're just being real, really irrational right now. Right. Trust yeah. me. Hey, trust me. I get I get the irrational fans all the time. Now, now, a lot of Bucks fans, y'all know they want Jameis gone. And I always say, who's the, who you want to be the quarterback? Ain't nothing out there if you want him gone. Well, there's Adam Schefter about, well, you can bring Joe Flacco in, and all the fans got mad fans. And, whoa, whoa, you wanted him gone, right? That's what's out there. The guy who got beat out by a guy who can't throw. Uh, that's who you want, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so that's why, like with Carson Wentz, with those Eagles fans who criticizing him, the question I will ask is, who the hell you want to be the quarterback then? Uh, that's what I would say. Who, who do you want? They never have an answer. These fans never have an answer. Because if you're going to move on from the quarterback, you got to have a plan. And if he ain't bearing on what you got, screw it. Oh, my bad. Jerry Jones would trade Dak Prescott right now for Carson Wentz if he could. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, but nobody Cowboys wants to talk fans, about that. Uh, as long as you're wearing that, that, that star in your helmet, Cowboys fans will defend you to the death because – because that they should have blown you guys out last week, to be honest, and they couldn't do it because the quarterback sucks. I heard, I heard this week that Dak is better than Carson Wentz, and he's better than my boy Andrew Luck because he's had three good. And you know what no, about Luck? I'm talking about, I'm talking about I don't, you know, I don't even watch Skip unless somebody send me the clips. Um, so I didn't even see that yet, but I, I heard, uh, yeah, a lot of Dude. Cowboys fans. Even if you go to our page. You know, there's a there's a thread where where they're comparing Wentz, not Wentz, uh, Dak and Luck, and most people who came on said, "Come on, I take Luck. It's not even a question." But if you go look at the actual Cowboys fans, you know they they they're riding hard for for Dak Prescott on that. Get this, my dad is a Cowboys fan. And he hates Dak. <laughs> Maybe because we SEC country watched Dak in college. My dad always said he ain't that good. And my dad's a Sixers fan. He won a folks going rookie year. He's like, get rid of him now. But I mean, you know, rational fans in every you know fan base. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, what, what what people don't realize, there's a little thing the Cowboys. We gotta give them credit on this. They built a team. They didn't just say, hey, like, like Tampa does, and put some players together. They built a team. They have a good young defense. They have one of the best offensive lines of football, one of the three back, best backs in the league. And they, they traded for Amari Cooper, who's a good receiver. They have all that. 
Now, I, now I, you know, I criticize Luck Man because all the hype he got, but I ain't going to knock his talent. Look at what Luck is doing now with Frank Wright as head coach. Get the ball out quicker. Not holding it forever. Also, they, they redid offensive line, meaning the organization got better. What people got to understand is coaching and organization matters. It's about where you go and when you go. Patrick Mahomes went to the Chiefs. Uh, Watson went to the Texans. Goff went to the Rams and got Sean McVay. And I still don't think Goff is as good as they make him out to be. I think that's all coaching and Todd Gurley. Because if Todd Gurley ain't getting the rock, if the Rams running game ain't going, when did Jared Goff won the game? When the running game ain't going. I mean, it's a part of the equation. But, I mean, I'm a, I'm a golf believer, but he stunk it up last uh Yeah. I got to touch his – I know you guys got to go. got to touch his basketball thing real quick. Uh, I know everybody's hating on KD. Well, what kind of words he said, toxic and all that. Here's the thing, people. And also, you got these clowns like Cowherd, these LeBron lovers who are hating on Kawhi. So, well, Toronto, they doing good about Kawhi. When LeBron leaves the team or he sits out, they stink. Sorry. They, it ain't these other teams' fault that they sign and draft players who could actually dribble for themselves. <laughs> and I stand in the corner. These teams build teams. And the thing is, is that what people don't want to acknowledge is, hey, there are other teams out there to play for, other cities to live in. And if the Lakers don't get one of these big free agents or able to trade for Anthony Davis, so be it. You still could be a playoff team. You still may have a shot to chip because Golden State ain't going to be there forever. Because Iguodala and Livingston are getting older. And KD's going to bounce. And teams are daring Draymond to shoot. They're not invincible. So so if you don't get that big free agent, it's okay. Yeah. And that That is one thing. Like, you, you think about the Warriors and you think about how everybody's already anointing them as an all-time team. They sure don't steamroll through the playoffs like all-time teams do. So you know, I, you know, maybe maybe they're playing against other all-time teams. I doubt that, but <laughs> I don't know what. You know, you know what kills me though? They don't steamroll through the playoffs like like some of these all-time teams that we've seen in the past. And and they don't. And see, the thing is, is that and you know, Cleveland messed up when they started trying to outshoot Golden State instead of doing work the first two years of being physical and bullying them. That's how you beat those guys. You got to bully them and be physical. But it's it's no given because Toronto has a team. Well, I watched that game. They have a lot of length on that team. They have a lot of athletes and good players. Boston has a lot of length. Philly does, too. Jimmy Butler started being nice to people. But, um, <laughs> you know. Toronto is full but, of two-way players, man. Full of good two-way players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, before I go, the Chicago Bulls. Maybe if maybe if you didn't get beat by fifty plus points of franchise record at home, maybe you wasn't worried about the two hour practices. Maybe if you actually play some defense, not stick up the joint, maybe you have to worry about a two or three hour practice. That's just a thought that I have. And that just shows that yes, you can tank you go to youth movement, but you still still may need some respective veterans on these teams as well to show these teams how to be a pro, how to talk to the coach and the GM. And I think those things have gone missing as well. 
No doubt. All right, Tobias, you, you know, as usual, man, we appreciate your call, man. Call and drop some knowledge, and we will holler at you next week, good brother. No doubt. Hey, y- y'all, y'all have a good one. Thanks for taking my call. Keep up the good work, brothers. Roll damn time. <laughs> Roll time. Peace. All right, but real quick before we move on um, to some grind topics and then talk about some of these NBA topics that he brought up, um, our stat of the week, man, Amari Cooper of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he won NFC Player of the Week after posting 10 receptions for 217 yards and three touchdowns versus me and B. Austin's Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know what, you know, we're down to like our – 13th, 14th starter in the secondary, and Amari Cooper has taken full advantage of that. Um, he took full advantage of that on uh, th- this past Sunday. Um, so shout out to him for having that type of game. Amari is actually making a lot of us bite our, you know, our tongues and and making us eat our words about what they gave up to get him. Like he's trying to justify that first round pick that they gave up to give him. It's a few games. Um I, I always thought that um I always thought that he had the talent and ability and would eventually shine. Um I, I still I don't really know exactly what he was supposed to be and then so maybe it was, you know, maybe it was the Raiders, man. That's where people go to die. Yeah, it really is. Shout out to Bernie. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't. It's going to take me time to reconcile what Dallas gave up for him in order to say, okay, it was worth it because of the implications that it has on their overall roster over the course of the next five years. I'm not saying because he's balling, and I was always an advocate. Like I like, I like, dude. I like his game. I like his route running. I think you right, 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 right. right. look, Skyview <laughs> Skyview said to us, plus I want you to hear this. Skyview said to us, wait a minute, weren't y'all Richard Rod and Jamison Wentz this time last year? Now y'all flipping like Cohen. Then he said Carson Wentz is the Ben Simmons of the NFL. Last year nobody knew what he was capable capable of. This year the tape is out. I don't think either one of them statements makes sense, Skyview, because not at all anything negative about uh Carson Wentz in the last 20 minutes when we were talking about him, I just gave him props because you look at his stats and we're talking about him compared to this time last year, his stats are just as good, if not better than last year. So the fact that the Eagles overall are losing games right now is just making people dig deeper into what he's doing. I've always given constructive criticism. I can always tell you, even when he was balling, that he had the ball a little too much. So that was never... Uh, that was never me. Um, Jameis Winston? I, yeah, I don't know who you're talking. You might be talking about B on that one because I ain't never Richard wrote Jameis Winston in my life. <laughs> He's always been the butt of jokes on this particular with us, given the caveat that, you know, he, he could be better than a lot of these other quarterbacks out here if he got, you know, his maturity on track. So I, I, I was hoping really I was working. And then the, the, the I was hoping Carson, I haven't seen I, I, any growth in the, in the brother. Yeah, and the and the Carson being the Ben Simmons in the NFL, nobody knew what he was capable of. 
I, I go back again. Like, nobody's really stopping the dude. Carson Wentz and the Eagles offense having trouble playing in the first half of games. And B. Austin kind of put – he kind of, you know, touched on that earlier. That could have a lot to do with the fact that, you know, we got dudes at running back that half of y'all have never heard of. So, you know, it, it takes – it's a team effort. Everybody knows that. Looking at the statistics, he don't look like anybody's, you know, got the tape on him and they're shutting him down because he's damn sure not being shut down. Um, he's actually doing everything at a higher clip, except for touchdown passes, than he was doing last season. So, nah, not off the not off the wind's wagon. Not not even close. Um, Y'all, you named me a quarterback that you've seen come off of a ACL, MCL, PCL, and still put up these type of numbers. So I don't think the tape's out. <laughs> I think you know he'll get an off season to to work his full game into better shape after this season, and he'll come back. He'll be fine, man. Anything you want to add to that real quick, B? Because we're way behind, but. I had, to, I had to stop you on all the all the Cooper laws <laughs> coming at your neck in the chat room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it is what it is. I, I like Marion Bart, the Barbarian, and he was uh, he played for the Eagle Empire. But yeah, man, no, no, nothing that. That's that's what it is in terms of of uh, of my quarterback Carson Wentz. Your quarterback Andrew Luck is balling. Yeah, and yeah, and but the thing is, this is what I try to tell people: it's always a matter of how the team is doing. If you go back and look, even the, even the eye test, not just the the stats from last year, Andrew Luck was balling, but the Colts couldn't beat anybody. So people started to say, "Oh, Andrew Luck is this. Andrew Luck ain't that." Like it all depends. Like people want to give the quarterback this individual look, but then. Their individual look, how you go into that individual look, depends on what the team is looking like. Because if the team is winning, then that look that you give the quarterback is going to have more of a positive spin on it. If the team is losing, the quarterback could be putting up identical numbers. But you're going to look at it a different way because those numbers aren't leading to wins. But when your defense is giving up 500 yards a game, and you and the offense can't get anything going in the first half of games, six and seven is around where you're going to be, no matter what you're doing um, stat-wise. All right, so real quick, uh, y'all know the drill. If y'all want to check out our website at worldroomsports.com, feel free to do that anytime. If you want to call in and speak with us about any of today's topics, the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline, that number is 323 Four one zero 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 one two. Press one when prompted. If you already listen from your phone, just press one if you want to talk. But right now, we're going to talk about some things that happened this week while y'all were on the grind. On the grind is brought to you by Sports the Book. You guys tired of reading the same old bull crap books with the same old lists, rankings, imaginary starting lineups, LeBron, Jordan, Kobe comparisons. And all sorts of subjective information, cats are passing off as facts. And be sure to pick up your copy of Sports. Smart, smart people only read the sports. It's a mixture of sports and hip hop culture will keep you on the edge of your seat and keep you laughing like you're watching a comedy special. The only thing that Jimmy didn't do with this book, B, was get it on audiobooks. He need to he need to read this 
um, into audio for make it even even better because some of the 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 stuff that people don't get like some of the tone some of the inflection that people have to make up on their own when they're reading a book like he can give them that and it'll be there organically and probably can make the book even that more interesting and that more funny so um make sure you guys check out sports the book you can get it from sportsthebook.com or on our website warroomsports.com wherever you get it just make sure you get it peace <laughs> all right so your man Deontay Wilder was caught out on the streets um, talking to TMZ, and the guy from TMZ just basically brought up the fact that you know, you know, they did a on Creed two, they did something with Drago's son. You think maybe you could play Clubber Lang's son in the Creed three? Deontay Wilder got the spilling out there talking about how is his passion. I don't know how it became his passion. He loves to act. I don't know how he loves to act. I ain't never seen him act. Um, <laughs> to play Clubber Lang's son and, and a, you know, one of the adaptations of Creed. Now, that's all well and good, and you think about it, like, alright, he probably could pull that off. Because um, once you're playing one of those boxes, you don't have to do much in the way of acting when you're playing in a when you're playing the villain in a Rocky movie. But he and this TMZ reporter B, they just got off into their own tangent because who the hell said just because they brought back, you know, Ivan Drago's character with, with his son that Creed was just going to be, it was just going to be a, a, a legacy series where you was going to bring back your son. All the son bring back your son. Dudes that Rocky knocked out and, <laughs> and, and that was going to be what the series is going to be about. Like, I think it's going to interest people. You know it is. But I think I already thought, even though it was a great movie, I thought they already went down the path of corniness when they brought Drago's son back into it. But if that's what you, you know, if that's going to turn into the M.O. of the whole franchise, then uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I guess if you, you know, if you're going to do that, I guess he would probably be the perfect person to come in and play that role. But yeah, this dude, he, he just spilled all his dreams to this TMZ reporter and they were just making up their own script. Like, who the hell said that they were going to do this? They did talk to Sly afterwards, though. And, you know, he he his answer sounded like, alright, y'all asking me, I don't want to play the dude out, whatever. But they asked him and um, if he considered casting Wilder as Clever Lang's son, he was like, um, absolutely. Uh, I think he has a lot of hidden talents. I certainly wouldn't advocate against it. The answer is yes. Come one, come all. So basically, he, he BS. My man says, advocate against it. And then he said, come one, come all. So he, he's just saying the right things just in case. But remember, Sly said that Pre 2 was going to be his last, you know, last time having a party. Anyway. So uh, we'll see. So basically his words mean nothing at this point if he indeed is really, you know, not in it for the, for the real world. So, yeah, man, yo, when you're in, go look at that TMZ video. Like, your man really just spilled his, his, his heart and his aspirations about acting. And This question didn't come from, like, a director 
or anybody who had anything to do with Creed, just, just running around with a camera, you know, giving videos to TM, TMZ, and this dude really spilled it. <laughs> Why don't you man? You got to say wow. Um, that's funny, though, but he would be perfect for that role because this dude he's a clown. is a haymaker. And if you remember back to Rocky Three, Mr. T threw haymakers all day. So, his, whole, his whole sound was haymaker. The haymaker right, king. So king haymaker. Steph, even though he wasn't the only player on this podcast who said this, but Steph Curry has gotten a lot of excuse me backlash this week because he was on a, a podcast with Vince Carter and Kent Bazemore. And he said he thinks that the NASA moon landing was fake. He's not a believer in that. Um, So a lot of people, a lot of European Americans lost their mind about this. My, My thing is the backlash was funny to me, not because, you know, they lost their mind about something because that's what they do when we say something that they don't agree with. However, I kind of thought it was common knowledge that a lot of people think the moon landing was fake and was on some Hollywood stage type stuff. So my thing was the the, the backlash he got, it sounded like people were appalled as if they had heard this for the very first time. Um, Max Kellerman went in on, on um, all the comments and, and replies on social media. People were just going in on stuff. But I really thought that it was kind of a common thing that a good portion of the population didn't believe in the moon landing. So now NASA, because Steph said he thought it was a big hoax, um, they've given him a personal invite to tour uh, the the Houston facility um, to show him a lot of the evidence. They said they got over 100 pounds of uh, moon rocks. They got footage. They got uh, this. They got that. And and they're inviting him there to give him a personal tour and to show him that. But were you but you were you aware that if you said out loud that you that the moon landing was a hoax, that people would lose their minds like this? Um, I was not aware that this would cause such a big stir. Um, I was aware that the belief in the moon landing and lack thereof, the line can be drawn between chocolate and mayonnaise or between certain segments of the populace, you know, European Americans definitely um, believe that at a much greater clips than we do. But I feel as though at that point in time, when America was celebrating that giant step for mankind, a lot of black people in this country were still trying to get Doberman pincers off their ass and trying to, you know, get free, so to speak. So we weren't really concerned with what was going on millions and millions of miles away. Our reality in this country was a lot different. And so if you really think about it, Steph's parents were kids during that time. Steph's grandparents were adult-like. So coming from that background, no, there's plenty of black people that, that, even if you want to say whether we believe it or not, it just doesn't have any bearing on our lives. It's not a badge of, you know, national pride for us. So 
I didn't see <clears throat> what the big deal was, but I know the what other folks say. Are you on the hoax train? I think, you know, Jimmy's a conspiracy theorist. I thought he actually yeah. would be here by now. He's a conspiracy theorist. I think I've heard him say yeah. before that he thought it was a hoax as well, but but I don't know if he's 100% serious or... No, nah, they, they, they landed... I, I believe they landed on it. Yeah, I, 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 I do... But, I believe but I don't well. care. Like but also I don't. But also I don't care. Cause right, 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 right. Right. You're, you're you're racing Russia back then to do that kind of stuff. That yeah. didn't have any bearing on our people <laughs> and what we were fighting for at the time. And even now, no, okay, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I think I think space yeah. travel is amazing, and they claim that you know the next time they go back, it's going to be for good. Like. We're gonna have people set up shop on the moon. Yeah, it's not just be an exploratory visit. So, so we'll see yeah. in the future. I do, you know, I'm with you though. I believe it's real. Um, one reason that, you know, you, I guess, you can understand why some people, even if they didn't believe it was a hoax at first, may have that belief now because you think about it. They did that back in the '60s. It's 2018. It's like if we did that back then, why are we not going to the moon? Like, why is it taking so long to get back? You know what I'm saying? Why are we mm-hmm. not just going back like every other year? Like, hey, pop up on the moon. I, I know the answer to that, but without going too deep into it, let's put it this way. There's not I mean, as much not money going. About the, yeah, not there's not as much money in, in going to the moon as there is in blowing other human beings up. There you go. No doubt. You know, you know, Trump wanted to make the space force though, so he can keep the galaxy safe. So you know, we're probably gonna be going to the moon and a whole bunch of other places with Space Force. If y'all don't tell y'all president to stop watching Star Trek. And <laughs> he really said this, man. All right. So um <laughs> uh what else happened this week while y'all were on the grind? Kendall Jenner shares a mysterious love letter on social media and has a lot of Philly fans thinking that this is some sucker for love letter that your man uh, Ben Simmons may have written to her. Um, she she doesn't, you know, like I said, it's anonymous. She doesn't say who did. She kind of scribbled out whoever it was from, but knowing the Kardashian clan, this could have been from any number dudes that they messed with in the past because the theme of the letter was the fact that they were separated by a lot of miles. So it's very ambiguous. You can easily think that it's Ben Simmons, but I'm like, yo, if she's banging with Ben right now, like why would she just put dude out there like that? But let me read you the bars, some of the bars in this letter, and you tell me what you think. Dear Kendall, we may be miles apart, but my love for you grows stronger and stronger by the minute. My innermost feeling is of love for you. I will love you until death separates us. Right now, this separation is killing me. But in my heart, I know that nothing could come close to separating us. We are united into one forever, body and soul. And I want you to know that I love you from the deepest part of my heart. Then they sign off you know, love, but the signature is blacked out. Man, if this is Ben, 
And maybe it is. Maybe, you know, young bulls in Australia do it a little different. Maybe they, you know, they're more adept with the words. And the, <laughs> and the, but if this is dude, everything that I say about him is probably true. Like, I, I keep telling people, when his contract is up with the Sixers, that dude is going to run to L.A. Um, mainly because so far it seems like he's into famous chicks. You know, most of them live out that way. You know, he, he dated Tanache, he dated Kendall Jenner, and he seems like a bit of a sucker for love because both of these relationships, even though they both occurred within the last 10 months or so, seem to be very serious. Um, besides that, you know, he, he's LeBron's youngin', and whether or not it means playing with LeBron in L.A., he's with Clutch Sports. They're going to set him up maybe as LeBron's quote-unquote heir apparent out there in L.A. So I, I just have this feeling that as soon as his contract is up with the Sixers, this dude is going to be on the first thing smoking to L.A. And if this is him in that letter, even though, you know, Kardashians usually don't stick around long enough for that, I still think he would end up out there because, like I said, he, he, he likes famous women. And a lot of the ones that he likes <laughs> live, live out in those parts. You you think this is him, or do you think this is one of her other exploits from the past or present? Black boys, black boys, you are lost to the flesh of pork. Um, I don't, I don't, um, I really don't know. Uh, it, it probably, it probably is, man. They got a hold on these NBA dudes like nobody's business, man. I, I've never seen no Jezebels like this, man. Wow. Wow. Whoever you are, wow. Wow. Because <laughs> the thing is, whoever you are, you, like she's putting you out there. Like, to, to hell with scribbling out the name. Everybody knows they're going to find out who that was. The handwritten letter. You won't um, That's enough. If if this is dude's handwriting, his penmanship is superb, and that might be another Australian thing. Maybe they just got more culture than we do over there. <laughs> it's a nicely written letter, you know. He he nice with the words, even though it's a little soft, a little sucker for lovish. But um, did you say? Know. Did you put a little in front of soft? A little soft. Those are the type of letters If you are going to write them letters You're going to write that in like middle school Because <laughs> you think that's how you think in middle school Once you get old Don't nobody be saying that kind of stuff People write like Listen Yo, to us right now you, you 21 A millionaire In the NBA The only relationship You should have Is with the doctor Who has the penicillin pass And the night after Joe with a morning after jump, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Last but not least, two former NFL stars, my man T.O. and my man Ricky Williams, they have joined forces to form a new football league. So they're about to be on their LeVar ball joint just with football. So Ricky and Terrell are in talks to develop the new Freedom Football League. That's a funny name, and I get it. And I like it. Um, it's supposed to have 10 teams. Um, it would also give the players a platform to speak out about social justice issues. Um, so they're, they're, 
they're doing this and they're <laughs> they're needling every point that the NFL is getting reamed for right fired. now. So it's definitely shots fired. So we're gonna we're gonna make a league. First of all, we're gonna call it the Freedom League. Shout out the Freedom League. And then it's gonna give people a platform to speak out about social social justice issues. So they already they're already like plotting on the NFL's weaknesses. But I mean, we know how this goes. People will talk and talk and talk. And it's time to it's time for that action. You know, none of these dudes gonna want to leave the NFL to go to the Freedom League. Just like Marshawn Lynch is dudes, all these conscious dudes, but you can't get none of these kids to go to an HBCU. They're gonna keep the the, the predominantly white colleges and, and universities rich. They're gonna keep their programs at the top. So a lot of times it turns into a lot of talk, man. You, you're going to ask these NFL players who dreamt, who dreamt all their lives to make it to the NFL, to leave the NFL for the Freedom League. And you know T.O. going to try to play, probably. But <laughs> T.O. going to try to play until he's about 60. So what's your thoughts on the Freedom League, man? <laughs> At, at every level, I have to support. Even the criticism I have, I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to expound any criticism. I'm in support of two brothers that I enjoyed watching play, who are not only standing up for something I consider righteous, but taking shots at those who aren't. Yo, come on, man. I hope they get Ice Cube involved because he knows how to do it. And they set something up that can be successful because if not, if if this is anywhere near a threat or the NFL perceives it to be a threat, they're going to throw nine figures at shutting it down. So I hope these brothers are prepared to try and play in a completely different lane and not go head-to-head with the uh, – with the NFL, kind of the way, um, you know, Ice Cube did. Like, he doesn't go head-to-head with the NBA. The only people that believe they're competing with the NBA is Steven Jackson. Like, no one else believes. Yeah. So, you know, salute to them. I will support. (laughs) It's got to be said. Ricky Williams is going to make it legal to get that icky before the game. (laughs) Oh, you know. You know (laughs) is. History. You can't, you know, weed and crying about your quarterback. It's all legal. It's my quarterback. All right, but shout out to them, man. Much, much luck um, and success to them brothers. Like I said, like B said, yeah, much we gotta get in touch with T.O. and Ricky Williams, man. We we gotta get back on our interview circuit. We gotta see what the Freedom Football League yeah. is all about. No doubt. Get in some calls. See if we can get that for you guys out there. All right, so um, that's what happened this week while y'all were on the grind. Real quick. Birthdays are brought to you by the creator. Creator wants to give shouts out to Ricky Fowler, who turns 30 years old. Uh, Shandon Anderson. Remember Shandon Anderson with the Utah Jazz back when they were losing the mic? Them in the uh, championship rounds, Shannon wasn't bad. Yeah, I don't know. No, he wasn't. He was a he was a good defender 
you know, can get you some buckets here and there, but, you know, nothing special. He was one of the guys that they threw on Mike, Shandon Anderson, uh, uh, Brian Russell, you know, the, the the carousel kept going, and he kept giving everybody 35. Um, a shout-out to him on his 45th birthday. Sergey Fedorov turns 49. Uh, Gary Zimmerman is 57 years old. Richard Dent is now 58 years old. Um, and we like to give some RIP shout-outs. Shout outs. Rest in peace to Larry Doby um, of the Negro Leagues. He was, he was born... December 13, 1923. He died June 18, 2003. And we also like to give an RIP shout out to uh, the great African American boxer, Archie Moore. He was born December 13, 1916. Damn. And he died December 9, 1998. So we like to give a nice big boy in salute. All of these folks on their birthdays and you know, the ones celebrating their birthdays uh, beyond the realms of Earth as well. If you're in heaven, if you believe in that, um, shout out to you. What about if you're in another place? Birthday. Yay! If you're in heaven, if you're in hell, um, if you're just chilling six feet deep in that plot that, you, that your family buried you in, wherever you reside, man, happy birthday. All right, so again, you can check out the website, wargroomsports.com. If you want to call in and speak with us about any NBA topics, dial the digital exchange check hotline, 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted, but if you already listened from your phone, just press 1. If you want to talk, and the NBA wrap is brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. Do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all, affordable custom website solutions, you need Extreme Technologies. No need to break the bank for an effective online presence. Top quality, results-driven websites, incredibly affordable prices. Yes, financing options are available. So make sure you visit digitalextremetech.com or you call 267-205-4203. Again, 267-205-4203. And if you're looking for those discounted rates, you can't do that without telling them. That's your homies over at War Room Sports sent you. Oh, hi. Our NBA Players of the Week is one Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards and Steph Curry on his first week back with the Golden State Warriors. Does this kind of stuff to you be make Kevin Durant look bad? Like Steph Curry comes back the first week <laughs> he's back. They win. You know, they, they win three games, lose zero games. He gets NBA player of the week. Um, they kind of struggled a little bit in his absence. Like, I think all of this makes Durant look, you know, makes them look bad because you look at their roster and on paper, they they have the type of team where you think if they're missing just one of their guys, they should be able to keep the ship afloat. And it hasn't been like that as of late without Steph Curry. And I'm not knocking Durant, you know what I'm saying? But I think a lot of people look a little farther into this than need be. And I think it like the optics of it, it just looks bad <laughs> for Kevin Durant. But let me give you their averages. Uh, Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards finished last week at 2-1. and one. He averaged 30 points a game, 7 assists per game, and 
rebounds per game. That's funny that all averages were just right on, you know, what, 7.1, 6.2. It was 37 and 6, right on the nose. Um, Steph came back, averaged 30.7 points per game, 5.7 assists, shot 57.6% from three point land. And the Warriors went three and up as well. So shout out Yo. to shout out to Steph Curry with his ridiculous shooting. KD, <laughs> you're fast. <laughs> Yo, as I think the luck just plays out that way, that everything Steph does, like KD can come there, help this team win two titles, win two Finals MVPs, but yet no one will say. You know, this is Kevin's team or, you know, a lot of people won't even say he's a better player than Steph. Um, it's crazy because anybody else, not not even anybody else, like let LeBron join another team, you know, whether it's Steph or anybody that's playing at, a, at an equal level, but let him go there and get two finals MVPs is not even going to be a question. Of well, who. that's because that's because we are all a witness. That's why. We are all and, witnesses, <laughs> and and it also goes to show you but, how uh, and salute everybody. I'm I'm joining in mad late. I was out there trying to save the world for the company, but um, it also goes to show you how people regard uh, Raymond versus KD, and a lot of it is KD's fault. Um, him and his uh, ghost accounts, him <laughs> and his burner accounts. Yeah, but the the obvious brother. Man, like you, y'all have trouble winning when Steph is not there, and then Steph comes right back, and in his first week <laughs> wins NBA Player of the Week. Like, damn, KD, in high school you was the man, KD. <laughs> Steph looked like so, he was hanging yeah. out with Mike Bibby in the gym too, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yo, shout no. out to, uh, getting a light skin workout in. Yeah, I just want, speaking of speaking of light skin brothers, I want to shout out Ben Simmons. I, I just like um, was was not I wasn't with him personally, but we were in the same store. I just saw Ben Simmons on Jewelers Row. I hope he wasn't complimenting for yeah, I mean, but he he definitely was there though. He got to he got to he got to put some jewelry with that letter, man. Might know it. Damn, Ben. Soft dude. Don't do it. Reconsider. Soft, Read the letter. Sure on the subject. All right, let's talk about some dysfunction, man, because in Chicago, it's dysfunctional. Um, it's not nothing new to me, though, because the Bulls have kind of been dysfunctional since Mike and Scotty left. But that's a whole other story. This is one of those things, like, what Jimmy talks about all the time with certain teams where we start to look at them and hold them, you know, higher in history than we probably should because they had one moment. Not just one moment, literally, but – the Bulls went on one run in the history of the NBA. The Bulls went on one nice six-year run. We'll call it eight. And, you know, they're, they're a part of the elite now. But they haven't been since that one run that they've had in the history of the world has ended. Well, this week, we know last week they fired Fred uh, Hoiberg. They fired the coach because he didn't live up to whatever – expectations they had for him. Like, I don't understand how you throw him that roster and then have expectations of him winning. But then uh, after his exit, Jim Boylan, who's his replacement, he's trying to be like this drill sergeant coach 
in a time period where, you know, a lot of people say this is this is not the time, this is not the era for those type of coaches because the players make so much money now. They make more money than the coach. They're not used to working that hard at the whim of somebody else. So he's been trying to be this drill sergeant. He's been trying to run these long practices. Um, so the Bulls last week lost a game by 56 points. <laughs> and lost, you know, 56 points back to back. After this, Jim Boylan tried to call a three-hour practice the, the day after, and the team nearly boycotted because they didn't want to do this. So instead of the three-hour practice, they called a players-only meeting where the players had some things out, and then executives were allowed to join the meeting a little bit later. My question to you guys is, is this. First of all, I know what era we're in. And I know the players are making so much money and, and – the drill sergeant type of coaches that's kind of out. But after losing a game by 56 points, who the hell are you to tell me that you don't want to come to practice? Who are you to think that you don't need a three-hour practice after you just got hammered by people who put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you, by 56 points? Can y'all explain this dysfunction in Chicago right well, now? No, Jimmy, Jimmy, you have to because, yeah, he says it's always been going on. So go ahead and explain this. No, 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 no. I'm not even going to say it's, it's part of the culture because here's the thing, right? And, and I can say it is part of the culture, but let me dig a little. Let me let me unpack that a little bit. What I can say is I watched that game, and they, they definitely quit on their coach. Um, they don't like Bulls. That's just the bottom line because I've seen the Bulls compete this season, and, you know, they they don't like – I mean, not that they like Fred Hoiberg, but they don't mess – they don't bang with Bulls, for one. They, they obviously quit. Um, and you see the reaction after the game, which means they don't bang with Boy. Zach Levine, um, you know, Max Zach is out there, like, basically disrespecting Boy. Um, but the idea of the drill sergeant, that doesn't work in – it doesn't work in, 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 in schools anymore. It doesn't work in, in sports. It doesn't work in business. Like, oh, school. past that. Like, Shut Shut you know, if you, if you if you try to be a drill sergeant in the school now, you're going to get snuck by somebody's parent, for one. Fuck with my kid like that. But anyway – um. So times have changed, and even if you like, I, I, I get a in books, and you see the difference in culture, even in business, how you can't be that that ball. You have to, people have to want to be educated from you, right? So it's a whole different. Which is why someone like um, Coach K is so successful. It, it's because he's been able to adapt in in multiple uh, types of. He went from the drill sergeant to the lovable guy to now I'm cutting checks, but um. So he's been able to do that where a guy like where where a guy like where a guy like um where a guy like Bobby Knight for argument's sake, who he actually studied under, he wasn't able to make that transition. He wanted to be the drill sergeant and not not be able to. Uh, yeah, so he didn't he didn't want to make that transition, and I mean you see it sometimes like you know, um in the NFL and so, I mean but that also goes to show you that like coaching and, and managing is is an art. You gotta, you gotta understand your people. So obviously, this coach doesn't understand his people. If he felt like he was gonna call and it wasn't gonna be backlash, um, the team stinks though. Let's not forget that part too. Um, so that, to, your point, cash, to, to your point, like, to your point though, like, who's who's not gonna want to um practice for three hours? But they could have practiced for eight hours. They still stink. It's <laughs> not gonna wash the stench off of them. Yeah, that's but not going. Yo, you can't. You don't seem like you have yo. that type of leverage to be like, nah. After you just lost by fifty six, but 
What? Well, like you said, those those are the times we're living in. They can tell him no. I, and and I, I guarantee you one thing, they didn't have that damn practice. <laughs> they had a meeting. I, I feel like also I feel like I feel like also one of the reasons they lost that bad is because they don't care about him. Like like some like yo, they were trying to prove a point. But you know, the Bulls process has been hammering like this for years and everybody seems to keep their job. I mean, Tyus calls in, he's a Bulls fan, he's been talking about guard packs for the last five years. You know, their reign of terror. I read something earlier where it says terrible decisions, except for in the actual NBA draft. Like, they draft pretty good players, but when you're always a bad team, drafting great players doesn't always work out because those players are out after their contracts are up. (laughs) They do a good good job of being a farm team, basically. You end up getting rid of those guys anyway, so... You said basically you're saying they're a good farm team. Hey, good farm team for everybody else. <laughs> Yo, let the Bulls draft right? and talk about, for you and bring them here and let's win. You talk about some. Um, I'm trying to find that message that Tobias sent us earlier because he he broke it down like some of the decisions that they made that weren't draft related, and I didn't realize when you look at all of those like um, in in totality, you're like, yo, they made all those decisions. Like they did, he said they didn't. They had a chance to get Kobe, but they didn't want to get rid of it. Was somebody trash too? Um, uh, Lou but they ended. He ended up a Laker at some point anyway. Long time after that. Yeah, yeah. I can't <laughs> find the message, but Tobias broke it down about their decision making, and I was just like, "Damn, dog! I, I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah, you're right. Like they had a chance to get um, Kobe and passed on him for like next to nothing. Like." We can't get rid of Luau Deng. We want Kobe, but we're not re- we're not willing to get rid of Luau Deng to get him. Now, in retrospect, how do you think that makes your team look? Uh, and then I guess Karma has something to do with this too, because then when they get half decent, their superstar runs into all of these injury. Um, you know, this this he's playing injuries. Um, at the same time, though, that you had Thibodeau in there, who was still on that drill sergeant type stuff. Either. He's players seem to like him a little bit more because maybe he has a little oh. bit more credibility. But I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, people skip on the too. But um the whole bull team the other day was We're like, talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Practice, yeah, man. Be, I mean, how silly is that? In the league and we sitting here talking about practice. Come on, man. How silly is that? All right. Yo, most of the league so, don't even practice no more. Let's get out of here on this. Yeah, it's a bunch of walkthroughs on game days and shoot-arounds. Um, your man is in the news again, Kevin, Kevin Durant. He's just letting his hands go um, in the media. Now, this, you know, it might be us, we, those of us who think these might have been some more subliminal shots in our direction. Um, last week was the comments about the toxic environment around LeBron James, where he praised LeBron and said it's not of his doing. It's just, you know, because of a lot of the fanboys and the media and that kind of stuff, they create this toxic. And I, and I think there was a 100% truth into what he was saying. Remember, Jim, last week we talked about it, and I was like, the only thing that I see is when you look at the messenger, you kind of think it comes from a place mm-hmm. of hate, a place of jealousy. So now that Kevin Durant might be out here on this truth tour, it just 
it, it, you're always going to look funny at it because it's him. So this time he was saying basically that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Kyrie Irving are the three players that stand out to him the most on film, you know, throughout his life and career as a basketball player. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And then he goes on and explains it. But when you look at it and who it's coming from and who he didn't include, sometimes you got to think, like, okay, dude, is, he, he might be sending shots at you. But let me read some of the quotes, though, because I think it makes sense, and even if you're not including the guy that we think he, he left out. LeBron doesn't give you the same type of – like, when you look at LeBron play – he doesn't give you that same artistry as a Mike, a Kobe, and a Kyrie Irving. So, like I said, I get it. But like, where is this coming from? Like, why are all of a sudden is this out here? He says, um, and he told this to the Athletic. He said, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Kyrie, just the way they move. I don't understand why people don't realize what they're seeing in these three, especially Jordan and Kobe. Kyrie is younger than me, and that's one of my best friends, so I watch his stuff. I get to play with Steph every day, so I know his game inside and out. But watching Kobe and Mike, I realize how good these dudes are. How do you not say they're by far better than anybody who's played the game? Just by the way they move, how fluid they are. Um, he added, I can't do what MJ does. I can't pop the ball. I wish. I can't shoot the turnaround, pump, fake, spin, half, spin, fade away like Kobe, or cross over like Kyrie. I can't do it, but I can try it. I can do it in my version, do it in my way. It keeps me creative and my excitement level for the game. Um, he said a whole lot of other stuff he about hates. them being Beethoven, Einstein, and Barack Obama and, and all that stuff. <laughs> he said they sparked his creativity. Yeah, he hates. He hates, though. But, but I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I don't think he hates, though. Because like, originally, Originally, I was like, all right, I get his point, but I think by bringing in Barry is when I when you hating, right? So if you'd have left Barry out of it, I'd have been like, okay, because because I, I, I would have been, I'd have been Yo. like, this. I'd have been like, look, you want you don't want to bring in any current players because like they're still Yo, your competition. That's, that's exactly how we know it's hate. Yo, I can't admit that a young bull is better than me, even if I know he's better than me. It don't even matter. I'm not bringing you up. You my young bull. If he left Barry out of it, I'd have been like, "Cool." Oh, yo, by the way, real quick, real quick, um, I just saw the other the other move that the Bulls uh made. They passed on drafting D Wade because they wanted to hold on to Danielle Marshall. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. so the Bulls, the Bulls, the Bulls could have had D Wade and Kobe, but they wanted to hold on to Luau Dang and Danielle Marshall. <laughs> yeah. No. no. So just want to keep putting that out there. But anyway, um, KD Hayden. He had the most three-pointers in the game. I remember that because he was playing against the Sixers when he was with the Cavs. I think he had like 11 or 12 threes in a game. <laughs> yeah, he had, anyway. the dusty he had Dusty Braves. He had Dusty Braves. But anyway, um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but, yeah KD Hayden. I mean, that's the thing. With the, the it makes sense because when we talk about, you know, we talk about especially perimeter players, we talk about footwork, we talk about – Jordan, we talk about Kobe. Sometimes we even bring up a Dwayne Wade um, and those kind of guys. So you can understand why guys who are playing in the league now at a high level would study those guys, would watch those guys. But I think you guys have a point. I think y'all are on to something with the fact that you brought up Kyrie Irving. And then I think 
not only is he trolling LeBron a little bit, I think he's trolling Steph a little bit. I mean, he brought up Steph, but I he was too. like, yeah, we can, too. he played on team. But to bring up Kyrie, if you, if you think about the league, besides maybe Chris Paul, but just because of the way they handle the ball and all that kind of stuff, Steph and Kyrie are kind of like arch enemies, arch nemesis. Arch yeah, they're like so, arch yeah, yeah. They're on the yeah. team with Steph, and you bring up Kyrie. But, but to me, just to me, LeBron and you bring up the guy who no longer wants to play with LeBron. So I Listen, correlation. Here's my thing, right? This is all speculation because who knows what KD does. KD may still stay there, but I see why people are saying, yo, he's out because you're trolling stuff a little bit. And I noticed when the last couple of years when they won a the championship, when KD was focused, he just stopped talking to the media altogether. Now every week he's giving them sound bites. Like, what are you doing? Like, he kind of did this before he left OKC where he just, like, you know, just started, like, letting his hand go a little bit. Remember it was, like, <laughs> little things about Russell Westbrook that he may or may not have said and – so I mean, or he may have, maybe may he's may out. Talking about Russ, he didn't say name, but you know, he basically yeah. But like, when he got focused, last couple of years, last couple of years when he got focused, this boy just literally just uh, you know, he just stopped talking. Um. <laughs> so Scabby said, "KD, that's just the basketball guys handing out justice for joining an already elite team." <laughs> I mean. Two chips. I can't call that justice. Like, I need one of these dudes to do something soft like that, and I need it to backfire and not work. Like, because you, you can say all you want about Miami. They didn't, you know, do not six, not seven, not eight. But, you know, they got some chips out of it. LeBron didn't have any when he went there. Uh, Bosch didn't have any mm-hmm. when he went there. You know, yeah. it, it completed their legacy, even if they won one. It completed their legacy, but KD, man, I'm waiting to see what what he gonna say next week. Um, he gonna let his hands I know, go against. I know, him. I know, I know. KD gonna make have us make a segment. What did KD say? <laughs> what did KD say? What KD talking about? <laughs> Yo, <laughs> segment segment called "What he talking about." What he talking about? All right, so Yo. yeah, man, it's crazy, dude. Just. Letting his hands go week after week. Yeah. Yo, is too good of a player to be the way he is, though, yo. Katie, you got to chill before I snatch your honor, man. <laughs> but what, I, what I'm seeing now, like, there's no way, right, that Katie can go back to Golden State or even join the Lakers. Maybe he hasn't gotten, you know, maybe he hasn't punched his ticket completely out of Golden State, but he's getting close to it with the whole stuff with Draymond. Yeah. And but he can't go to LA, right? No, he, he can't. can't go. I mean, he can go to the he can go to the Clippers. Toxic environment. That might be worse than you joining the the, the Warriors. You could claim a toxic environment when other stars try to play with LeBron and then go play with LeBron. All right, man. The hell yeah, about he's a dry it. on that one too. He a hater and a dry snitch. <laughs> he's doing a lot of stuff. Um, shout out to KD. I don't know what his end game is. Our end game. Thank you, brothers. Live and direct. For another briefing in the war room. Shout out to everybody <laughs> in the chat room. Uh, Neil and Skyview. Everybody on Twitter. War room sports game time. The group me app. Facebook. And all the calls called in and all at us. Special thanks to Gus Griffin for contributing to the show as he does weekly. Tune in next week live right here on demand as we recap NFL Week 15. Preview week 16. 
We'll also catch you up on everything happening in the association and everything else around the world of sports and whatever the hell KD is talking about. So until then, enjoy your weekend. It's started next week, and we'll see you right back here next time. Be sure to catch our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, as well as blogs, webcasts, uh, network podcasts on warroomsports.com, Christian Mingo, all them good places. Um, make sure you pick up a copy of Jimmy's book at sportsthebook.com or warroomsports.com. Until next time. Don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in the war against ignorance, and we'll see you chumps on top. Are y'all finished or y'all done? I ain't got no more talking. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.